you have the Bible with you this morning, your Bible, or you found one and you're just using it as yours, make your way to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Everybody doing okay? Okay, just, just want to make sure. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have the book of Acts, so you can kind of navigate your way there. Uh, chapter 17, once again, we're going to be focusing on verses 20 through 26. Uh, this morning we are wrapping up our series on prayer. As we've, uh, This is week 10 of this series, and we've been walking through different aspects of prayer. I just want to say we have not exhausted prayer, and I pray that we have not confused prayer. Um, but we have been walking through principles of prayers. We've walked through the Lord's Prayer. We've, we've seen the command to be a people of prayer, how we're to persevere in prayer. We've dealt with practices of prayer. And so to keep with the P theme, uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the Prince of Peace's prayer in the Gospel of John chapter 17. But like I said, we have not exhausted it. Uh, this is actually the only prayer uh, given in Scripture that we're going to be focusing on. There's other prayers in Scripture you can read. Uh, you can read about Moses' prayer to God when God puts him in a cleft of a rock and Moses to see his glory. You can look at Nehemiah's prayer. You can look at the writings of Paul's prayers and his letters. Um, so we're not exhausting it, but uh, this is a good place to wrap up this series. As we've been talking about how to unlock the power of prayer, well, I, it's not up there, but how to unlock the power of prayer in our life. And one way to do that is see how Jesus prayed for us and how we can live out an answered prayer in our life and unlocking that power. And so let's read through it and then we'll walk through it this morning. The word of the Lord says in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. This is our Lord and Savior speaking. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made, no, made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This recording in, in John chapter 17 is part of the final events that take place in the upper room. Uh, the Gospel of John has the longest recording of the events and the teachings and the things that happen in the upper room before Jesus would go off to the Garden of Gethsemane, eventually be arrested and led to His crucifixion. As Jesus wraps up the events, He goes into a prayer beginning at the, at the top of chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus prays for the will of God, and then He turns His focus to His disciples. And the final piece of this prayer beginning in verse 20, which we're focused on this morning, is Jesus prays for you and for me. And this is, this is huge, and I don't want us to miss this. Because there have been people in my life that I kind of expect to be praying for me. Uh, I expect my wife, my parents, grandparents. Um, I, I expect the church to be praying for me. 
I expect close friends. Uh, and there are people in my life that have showed or told me that, hey, I've been praying for you, and it's kind of taken me back. I don't know if you ever had that moment where someone you really respect in their walk with God, and they say, I've been praying for you, and it, it kind of humbles you in that moment. Um, but this tops it, because this is God in the flesh. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the one who would judge the living and the dead, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Him. He who is praying for you and for me. And Jesus begins by saying, in verse 20, I don't ask for these only. Who are these only? Well, he's speaking of the disciples who are with him in that room. This would be the 11 disciples as Judas has been excused. But I'll also ask for those who will believe in me through their word. So those who believe in me, that's us. Jesus, let's just let's make sure we understand the situation. Jesus knows what's about to happen here in a couple hours. He knows Judas is going to lead a mob to arrest him. He knows he's going to go through a horrible beating. He knows the cross is coming. And Jesus not only had his mind and thoughts and heart on us as he viewed the cross in sight, but before he left the upper room, he stopped to pray an eternal prayer for you and for me. That's how much he loves us. And so what I want to see this morning, we're wrapping up this series on prayer, is five connections that Jesus prayed for us to have in which we should make a part of our prayer life and we should take to heart maybe we're off on some of these connections. The first connection I want us to see is our connection to God. Look there in verse 20 and 21. I do not ask for these only, speaking of the disciples, but I also, for those who will believe in me through their word, which is us, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, our prayers need to begin the way Jesus prayed, and Jesus' prayer was a connection to the Father. And so when we come into prayer, our primary focus is that I'm going to connect with God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm going to connect with my Father. We should have this longing in our life to connect with God as God's people. We should have this spiritual homesickness of feeling off in this world at times, being irritated and aggravated with the way the world seems to conduct itself. And prayer is a means that now I get to connect and plug back into God and kind of have some of that remedy of my spiritual homesickness. I get to connect to the God who sits upon His throne and is worshipped by the heavenly beings as holy, holy, holy. That's who I'm... I'm talking with when I come to prayer. And so Jesus says, I pray that they, they would be connected, would be one, just as, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. And so when we come before God, we should notice this, this constant word that is used. Look in verse 20, that they may be one. Uh, verse 22, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, that they may be perfectly one. And though it's a number, it carries a huge significance in the Bible. When we go to Genesis and into the Gospel of John, we see that this idea of oneness is that we have a God who is one. He is the one true God, and the one true God created all things. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all work together in unity, together, working together to create what we call life. We also find this word one used in the book of Genesis. 
When God declared and ordained the covenant of marriage, He declared it that two would become one. And this is the image which we're to take when Jesus prays for us and our connection with God is that we would be so closely tied to God and united with God, there would be no separation. God already says in His Word that nothing can separate us from His love. And so our pursuit in prayers and our pursuit in life is that I would remain connected with the God who loves me to the point that that's all people see in me. So Lord, that's my prayer. That I would be one in You as Jesus is one in You. That we would be unified. And the beauty of this prayer and the, and the challenge for us this morning is Jesus doesn't lift up this prayer for us that we would be connected with God in a third point of view or even a second point of view, but rather from a first point of view or a very intimate point of view. Look in verse 21, it says that they also may be in us. And though prayer connects us with God, what Jesus prays for you and me is that it would go much deeper. I love football. One of my favorite sports. Uh, I've just always been... uh, just, I don't know, fascinated with the game, even in times where it aggravates me. And so I've always watched as a kid, always wanted to play it. I will confess to you, here's a confession, I have not always been a Chiefs fan. Um, but you must have been praying for me at that time because I started off as a 49er fan, and then about the 90s I became a Chiefs fan. If you're a Chiefs fan, you probably know what happened between the 49ers and the Chiefs in the 90s as they got a Hall of Fame quarterback named Joe Montana. So originally I was a Joe Montana fan, and then I became a Chiefs fan. I never went back. I was born in Kansas City. I, I love watching the Chiefs, um, and, and I love just sitting there, and my kids know, my wife knows that if the Chiefs are on, that's what we're doing. Uh, we're probably watching it. But as I grew up, you know, I, maybe you're like me and you can relate. I would watch football at the, through a TV, or maybe I'd go to a game, and I would sit in the stands, and I would watch the game unfold. I wasn't really involved in it, though I may yell at the screen or yell somebody's name, name of a player at the screen. I wasn't really involved in it. I was just kind of there. I had a third point of view, a third perspective. It wasn't really as meaningful to me as it could have been. About two years ago, a little over two years, um, the church was in the process of the pastor search thing, and, and uh, I'm here, so thank you. Um, but uh, we drove down, Jamie and I drove down on a scouting mission. Uh, we were scouting out Stratford, trying to get the feel for the place. And, and uh, we let Charlie know who was on the past search committee that we were coming down. And Charlie, you know, we were trying to keep it on the low key. And Charlie said, hey, well, let's just go out to eat. And then uh, Charlie ended up, I thought it was going to be like us and Charlie, and ended up being like us, Charlie and Darren and Jackson and uh, almost all the entire pastor search committee. So it was like a second meeting that he very sneakily, sneakily, uh, that's not a word, but um, he, he, he did. And so we, we went out to eat, and we, and we had a great time of fellowship and conversating. And Darren, our drummer, uh, his, he, he goes up to the Chiefs game every now and then and stands on the sideline with a microphone. You may have seen some of his Facebook pictures, this little bowl thing. And so he just in conversation with Jackson. I guess he was in a bind because he needed to go to the game the next day. And he needed another person to go, but Jackson couldn't go and Charlie couldn't go. And so I just interjected myself in the conversation. <laughs> I can go. You know, um, I'll be your buddy. Um, and... 
and uh, they kind of worked out, make sure that was okay. It wasn't like a, you know, a way they were scouting me or, or the way they were trying to, you know, get me to come more than I was already feeling God leading this way. Um, but when I got there, that was the first time I was ever in Arrowhead, which was awesome because I was actually on the sideline. I got to go into the locker rooms, into places not many people get to go. And so I could hear the sounds of the pads hitting. I could hear the players yelling at each other. I could, I could smell the wonderful smells of August football players, right? And so, I mean, but here's the thing. I was, I was still on the sideline. And so even though I was close, even though it was even more detailed than where my TV was, the reality was I was not in the game. It was not a first perspective. I was not feeling the hit. I was not dripping in sweat. I was not feeling exhausted. I was was just a spectator still. What Jesus prays for you and for me is not that we would be like TV watchers or we even be on the sideline. Jesus prays that we would be in God. We would be in him. He says that you would be, they would be in us. Jesus' prayer for you and for me is that we would have a deep connection with God. It's not that we would know about God. It's not that we would have some knowledge of God. It's that we would be completely consumed with who he is. That's all that we know. That's all people see. When they see us, they see God. Matter of fact, that is what it in fact means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I look like, talk like, act like, walk like Jesus. I'm so in him. And Jesus says this is how we can connect on such a deep level. One aspect is prayer in which we've, we've been walking through the last couple of weeks, but we connect with Jesus as that song beautifully said through the cross. It is the cross which opened the way that we can now connect with the Father. The curtain has been torn. We can now come into the throne room of grace and intimately connect with the God who loves us and knows us. And Jesus says here in in verse 20 of chapter 17, he says, I don't ask for these only, but those who will believe in me through their word. So how do I connect with God? I connect with God through prayer, which Jesus teaches on, but I also connect God through his word. What's the word that he's saying through their word? Well, he's got Matthew who would give credit to the gospel of Matthew sitting in the room with him. He's got John, the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John, which we're, we're reading right now, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in Revelation, sitting in the room with him. He's got Peter, 1st and 2nd Peter. Peter dictated to Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, sitting in the room with him. James, sitting in the room. I mean, he's got these individuals just sitting there with him. He's saying that their word... They would believe me through their word. And it's the word of God which connects us to God. And so here's the thing. There is no excuse, no excuse whatsoever for God's people to be without the word of God. No excuse. We can download it on our phones, on our tablets. We live in a country where you can freely carry it with you. Jesus gives us the key to have this deep connection with God, and the beauty of it, it's easy and it's free. But we've got to make the effort. 
But it's not just our connection with God, but that's, that's where it's got to begin. But Jesus also prays for our connection with God's people. Look in verse 23. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. It's our connection with fellow believers that begins with the connection with God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, speaking of Jesus, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. Jesus didn't just pray that we'd be united with God, but He prayed that you and I would be united with one another as God's people. And according to Scripture... It is our relationship with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, which exemplifies the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so our relationship is so important. He says, Jesus said in John 13, 33, is by all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But as I read this, I have to think, if Jesus had to pray this, Why did he have to pray this? Why did the Son of God have to pray this about me and about us and about Harvest Hill? Why did he have to pray this about God's people? See, as God's people, we come together and we form what is the biblical church. The church, according to Scripture, is not a building. The church, according to Scripture, is a gathering of God's people whom God has called out of the world to in turn call out To the world. The issue we all have in this room is every single person in this room, including myself, is a sinner saved by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. And what that means is, is that there are people in this room, including myself, at times, that will not act like the perfect God I am to represent in this world. And when we come together as church, the same thing happens. If you're searching for a perfect church, there's a good thing in that because what it means is your soul is waiting and longing for Jesus Christ to return and bring the perfect church to this earth. But if you're searching for a perfect church before Jesus Christ returns, then you're always going to be disappointed because there's no such thing because the church is made up of sinful, hypocritical people that represent a perfect God all the while trying to pursue perfection. But we will mess up at times. So Jesus prays that we would be connected and be one, be perfectly one with one another. A lot of people ask, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Because sometimes I just get pushed off by church. And you may have had that time period in your life. I know a lot of you all shared about those times in life where church has just kind of rubbed you the wrong way. The answer about going to church if you're a Christian is no. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. And let me specify what that means. You do not have to go to church to earn, maintain, or keep your salvation because salvation is a gift and it is free. It is the gift of God given to you. At the same time, Jesus prayed that we as God's people would continually be together and become perfectly one with one another. So our connection with God begins, it starts there, but then it begins with a connection with one another. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus prayed 
that the followers of his, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, Christians, believers, Jesus prayed that we would continuously gather together and grow in our relationship with one another. So we're not only connecting with God, we're connecting with one another. And when we do this, we glorify the Father. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. But here's where we, the hurdle we've got to get past. There's not a person in this room that doesn't bring something to the table, good and bad. Okay? There's not a person in this room that doesn't bring something to the table, something to the church, good and bad. We all come from our own perspectives. We all come with our own convictions. We all come with our own memories and nostalgia of what the body is going to be or what it should be. The reality is, is when all this comes together, it can become a beautiful mess or a disaster. And you look at the history there have been more people turned off by Christianity, not because of the message of Christianity, but because the actions of Christians. There are more ministers and missionaries that leave the ministry and mission, not because of people outside the church, but people inside the church. I've never come across a pastor that has left the ministry, and they tell me they left the ministry because the people outside the church just got on their nerves or wore them down. It always comes from within, and this is why Jesus prays, because this can either be a beautiful mess or a disaster waiting to happen. And it's such a fragile state because we all come with our own stuff. But if you look through the New Testament, you see that Paul, when he wrote these letters to these believers who gathered, a lot of these believers had problems. They had issues, understanding grace, understanding freedom, understanding salvation, understanding their relationship with people of different backgrounds. They all had these issues, and yet Paul continues to point them to the cross because when we lose the connection with God, our connection with each other will begin to crumble. So that's where it starts. The Bible tells us in Psalm 133:1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And I would like to say there's nothing more disgusting than a church or a body of Christ, a people who proclaim to be united with God through grace, mercy, and forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ, a group of believers who have been beautified by the blood of Christ, and then in turn to act as if they're still slaves to sin. All this does to the world is say that we as a people who proclaim that we love God and love people, that we're nothing but talk. We have to understand a dysfunctional church is not led by a Savior, it's led by Satan. And so Jesus prays for our unity. But we're all going to have disagreements. Campbells aren't in here at the moment, but if I said go Chiefs, I would get a, uh, you know, maybe a rock thrown. If I asked you, what do you think about President Trump? Democrat or Republican? Independent Tea Party? What do you think about taxes? What do you think about... We can get into debates. Some of us would agree on some things, and some of us would probably disagree on some things. And the issue with churches is when we bring all of these different perspectives and we allow that to become the conviction rather than the Word of God, that's when the mess happens. 
When we start talking about, well, that, we've never done that before. Or that's not the way I remember church when I grew up. We start getting into arguments about carpets and clocks and paint, seating arrangements, order of services, music styles, preaching preferences, time limits of preaching. Not that that ever happens in church, right? But see, that's why Jesus prayed this for us. Jesus prayed that we would be perfectly one with the brothers and sisters of Christ. And part of this may be for you this morning, as I, I, I've sat with God and said, okay, God, reveal in my heart, but there may be a brother or sister in Christ that you have ill feelings toward, and you need to go and seek to, to seek reconciliation. That doesn't mean they may accept it, but you just make that attempt because what happens when we hold on to those grudges, as we talked about several months ago, and I know you remember, we hold on to grudges, they actually hold on to us and hold us back from where God wants us to be and from our connection with God. With that said, that's a very dark time. Uh, with that said, if you're visiting Harvest Hill, <laughs> I'm not preaching this because there's something going on like, wow, what's going on at Harvest Hill? I'm, I'm preaching this so we can be aware of what Jesus prayed about it, prayed about us and prayed about us as a church and prayed about what we should be doing as a church and becoming united with one another and growing our relationship with God and with each other. One thing I can say about Harvest Hill, and I don't say it's because, you know, they send me a check. I say it's because, honestly, I, I've seen it, I believe it, I experience it, and I haven't experienced it like this anywhere else. Is when people say amen, whether it's me or Jackson or someone else behind this, when we're ready to go and, like, you know, have a great week. One thing about Harvest Hill Church family is the parking lot isn't empty in five minutes. And I've been in church where the pastor says amen, and it's like, boom gone but people hang out and they connect with one another and it's a beautiful thing under the cross and that's what Jesus is praying for is that we would have this beautiful fellowship but notice the point our connection with God and our connection with the, with each other isn't say oh now we've got this perfect community now we've got this perfect little country club the point is our connection to God's world the purpose of our connecting to God and with each other is so that we can connect with God's world. Jesus prays it twice, verse 21, 23, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So my connection with God, my connection with you, is the evidence and the testimony to an unbelieving world there is in fact a God. Unfortunately, the world hears more of a church that is dysfunctional than a church that is functional. And so Jesus knows the damage that can happen. Turning back to Bonhoeffer, he writes, The goal of all Christian communities, they meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation because our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done. And spiritual love proves itself in that everything it says and does, it commends Christ. This is our calling. It's not that we have a safe place to meet. It's not that we feel good when we leave. It's that we gather together as God's people who are saved by grace, by mercy, by forgiveness, through Jesus Christ. And we, we continue to connect with God. We continue to connect with each other. So when the world looks at Harvest Hill, because that's all I can preach to you right now. When the world looks at Harvest Hill, they would say, God sent Jesus Christ. 
And the evidence is right there at that church. The way they get along, the way they treat each other, no, they're not perfect, but they love God and they love each other. Verse 23, the world may believe that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So the Bible tells us that we keep our conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the unbelieving world in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. In other words, as a church, we're not to give the world ammunition on why not to believe in God and why not to believe in the love of Christ. And I love what Jesus prays in verse 25. A righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. So as we continue to connect with God, we can continue to connect with each other. We continue to proclaim to the world that God sent Jesus for them and loves them. And they see that by the way we act as God's people. We don't get to get torn down by the world's uh, attacking us. We don't get to feel bad about that. You know, we don't get to re, uh, control how the world views the message of Christianity. We can control how we respond to each other and respond to God's love. But no matter what, if the world doesn't respond to the way that we would like to see them do it, here's our, here's our prayer. Father, I know you. Even though the world does not know you, I know you. Verse 25, I know you. I may get frustrated with the world. I may get aggravated with the world. I may not understand why so-and-so isn't coming to the faith. Lord, in the midst of this, I know you. And so it takes me back to my connection. Jesus also prayed, number four, for our connection to the mysteries of God. Verse 24, And Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So we connect with God. We connect with each other. Also, we can connect to the world. And in the midst of that, we are to connect into the deeper mysteries and things of God. We come to the understanding what the Bible says when Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We come to a deeper understanding that He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We come to the understanding when Jesus said, I and the Father are one. To the understanding when He said, before Abraham, I am. Our constant pursuit is our relationship with God, connection with each other, with God, each other, with the world, but also connection to the deeper things of God. Why? So when the world looks at the church and looks at us as the believers, they ask us, you know, I don't understand why you do what you do. They become confounded by the mysteries of God themselves. That's how the world should see believers. The way we live, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we respond things just does not make sense because it's not the way they do it. And the only way that can happen is we get into the mysteries of God and allow the Word of God that does not come back void, but goes into the deepest parts of ourselves to transform us more into God Himself. We become more godly. Finally, Jesus prayed for our connection to eternity. He says that I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. 
Verse 24 as well, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. And where's Jesus right now? He lives inside of us and he's in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus' prayer that we would be with him where he is, that they may see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And so we're praying for our connection with God, each other, our connection to the world, that they see the way we're connected and unified together. We pray for our, our deeper connection to the mysteries of God and to our connection to eternity. That's why people don't understand why we act and do the things we do. It's because we're not living for this world anymore. We live for the eternal one. The Bible says we are aliens, strangers, exiles, sojourners. We're just kind of passing through. So though we are in the world, we're not of the world. So our prayer, if we take Jesus' power of prayer and we live this out, our prayer should turn, Lord, give me a heart that pants and thirsts for you. Give me a willing and open heart to grow my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, let the way I live my life be an example of your love to an unbelieving world. God, let me dive deeper into the mysteries of who you are. Father, let me constantly be reminded that this is not my home, but you are preparing my eternal home. And so we have to change our perspective. And here's a perspective that God has placed in my heart that I believe every believer needs to hear. So I'm connected to God. I'm connecting to you so the world can connect to God. And I'm getting deeper in the mysteries of God. I keep my eyes and the author and perfecter of my faith who see at the right hand of the Father knowing that he's coming back for me someday. I'm going to go there and he's got a nice lot set up for me. It's going to be beautiful. But while we live here, here's something we have to change in our perspective. God did not leave you here to be served. And I know we call this a service and we gather, you know, we worship and we hear the Word of God and we open the Word of God and I hope your, your, your soul is being fed by God's Word, not by Pastor Mike's talking. But God did not leave you, to be, leave you here to be served. And if this, if this can change in Harvest Hill, there's nothing that God can't do with Harvest Hill. When we stop coming to church, in a feed-me mentality. But understand that God called you to this body of believers to gather brothers and sisters in Christ, not to be constantly fed, though that happens, but to in turn serve others. So God did not call you here to be served, but to serve. And when we do this, we will connect to God we will connect with one another. If you're feeling like, man, I just, I'm just, I don't know if I'm really connecting with people the way I should. I have to ask, how's your serving? Where are you serving in the body of Christ? Where are you serving alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ? It helps us connect to the outside world. It helps us dive deeper into the things of God. If you're like, man, I just wish I knew more about the Bible. I feel like I just don't know enough about the Bible. You want a crash course to knowing more about the Bible? Volunteer to teach a Bible study class. It will blow your mind how much you will prep and study the Bible so you don't get something wrong. But in the process, you'll know that your soul is being 
fed because you're learning more about God. And it'll keep our mind on turning because we'll understand that this is why I'm doing this so other people can come to know Christ because someday He's going to judge every single person I know and I want to take as many people as I can into eternity. So if we can make it our prayer, Lord, help me not just come to church to be served, but Lord, help me to know where I can serve you. Help me know where I can serve the body of Christ. If you need help, there's nursery, there's children, there's youth, there's small group homes, there's fellowships, there's trunk or treat coming up, there's Wednesday Night Live, there's Maybe something on your mind that we're not doing, but God's placed it there. He didn't place it there so you could tell me to do it. He placed it there so you could do it, but just let me know what you're doing. There's, there's places to get involved. And so, Lord, help me to be a servant. You may be here this morning, and the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that part of your lack of connection or your struggle with God at this moment is You've got something back here in your past that you're just hanging on to. Some grudge, some ill feeling towards another individual. They may be a brother or sister in Christ. I don't know. I know sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ don't act Christ-like. But as a child of God, I'm to forgive others as God would forgive me or as I want Him to forgive me. And so I'm to be perfectly unified with somebody. And so the challenge for you this morning and what's keeping you in your connection to God and your prayer life and what is keeping it from being unlocked and becoming powerful is that anger, that vengefulness. And you just need to go to that individual and say, look, I've been holding on to this. I need to ask for your forgiveness. And I want you to know that I don't know why I'm holding on, but I want to forgive you. They may accept it. They may be like, you think you're all high, mighty, holy roller. I don't know how they're going to respond, and it doesn't matter. What matters is I'm going to let it go so I can be unified with the body of Christ. And then I get connected to God. And then God starts doing something beautiful in Harvest Hill that the world starts looking at Harvest Hill. Man, God is real. And God does something here that He is waiting to do. Because we've seen some cool things, but I don't think we've even touched the tip. You may be here this morning, and what you really need to do is connect with God in the first place. The Bible lets us know there are two people on this planet. There are those who are saved and those who aren't saved. There are those who are God's people and those who aren't God's people. That's it. You can call them blue, red, white, Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Chief, Bronco. You can call them whatever you want. But in the eyes of God, that's all that's on this planet. Two types of people. The people who are saved are the people that have come to understand that God loves them. It's not by anything they've done. Not by anything they deserve, but God loves them, and He sent Jesus Christ to die for them. And Jesus did that, and He rose again on the third day that they could be completely forgiven for all the things they've ever done wrong, all that stuff they want to put in the closet, all the stuff they're ashamed of. Jesus took all of it 
so we can be free from all of it. And the person that has accepted that is a person that's saved, and a person that is a Christian, and a person that is connected with God. They aren't perfect. And this room is full of those types of people, but then there's people in this room who aren't connected with God. You may pray all you want, you may do all the Christian things or all the things you think are the right things to do, but the reality is, without Jesus Christ, you're lost. Without Jesus Christ, you can't pray the way that the Bible teaches us. Without Jesus Christ, you will not be in heaven in eternal glory. And so God has brought you here this morning to change that. And the Bible makes it so simple. First, I come to this understanding that, you know what, I do do things that I shouldn't do. I lose my temper, I tell lies, I cheat, do all sorts of stuff I shouldn't do. But I believe God loves me that much. I may not understand the depths of it, but I, I, I believe that Jesus did die on the cross. I believe he did rise again. Yeah, I may not fully understand all of it, but I believe that happened, and it happened so I could be forgiven. If you're at that place this morning, that's what the Spirit is prompting on your heart. Then I'm going to invite you to come down. I'm going to be standing right here, and you say, you just come up to me and say, Pastor Mike, or Pastor, or hey you, I'll even take that. I want to be saved. The Bible says, when I believe it in my heart, and I confess it with my mouth, I will be saved. And so that's what I'm inviting you to do, to respond in this moment. But if you're here this morning and there's something that you're just scared to death of doing because you know that's, it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard, but you know this is what you want, you want a deeper connection, I'm just going to ask you to come and kneel before the Father and ask for Him to give you the strength to do it, the wisdom and the words. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us, Lord. Thank you for praying for us, sinners, saved by grace. Father, I thank you that you've claimed us, adopted us, given us everything we need for godliness in life. Father, we come to this place and we are a beautiful mess because you have made us beautiful through the cross. We come to this place where I know the fear. I know the anger sometimes. Of, you know. I'm going to rationalize it. You just don't understand, but God, you do understand. You understand all of it. help us come to this place as your children if we're holding on anything just to let those things go or change our lens from a worldly lens and worldly attachments to a biblical lens and a godly lens but I pray for the individuals here this morning that are not your children yet Lord, I pray in this moment that your spirit would just give them clarity in what they need to do in this, in this time. They would fully understand that they're not saved, but the invitation, the gift is just right there to be taken. 
Lord, you would just give them the strength and courage. You would be their shepherd in this moment and bring them down and let it be publicly known that they want you in their life. They want to be saved and forgiven. I thank you for what you're doing. I know your spirit's working. I thank you, Lord. We come this time to respond. To be who you need us to be. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence once again. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.